0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Man, well, that was the first time we've had a saxophone at North Valley, but wasn't that fun? Hey, man, that was a lot of fun. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's a lot of fun. Hey, guys, my name's Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church. Uh, Glad that you guys are with us. Uh, Is anybody too cold, a little chilly? All right. I think we're so excited about the air conditioners. We just cranked them on. So uh, we'll turn it down just a little bit and then cut these fans off. But uh, I'm so glad you're with us. Hey, today's our first Sunday we had uh, here in the buildings. uh, We got our certificate of occupancy uh, just this last week. So uh, really excited about that. I uh, wanted to take a, a few minutes of time just this morning just to share with you, uh, you know, on this special day, we'd have some special music and uh, just a special time together today. So I want to say thank you, first of all, to you guys as, as a church. Um, I think God is so proud of you. Uh, I really think God looks down from heaven and says, this is my family. These are my sons and my daughters, uh, this is my church, and he loves you tremendously. Uh, what God's going to do in this church and in your life over the next few decades, uh, through this ministry called North Valley, his church, I think is very powerful. I think God wants to use you, um, like he's used so many others in the story of this church. This September we'll celebrate five years as a church. Uh, there's three things I want to say thank you about. First of all, thank you for being faithful to serve. So many of you have been serving uh, week in and week out, whether it be AV or guest services or with the kids or, or whatnot, but there have been so many people that have served. And my prayer is, is that as we move forward to the next five years, that we'd never forget the importance of serving one another. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Um, God's proud of you. He's proud of you at North Valley. He's proud of the way that you've been faithful to serve, and we wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't be here today without your faithfulness to service. Secondly, I want to just say thankful. uh, You've been so faithful to love. You've been so faithful to love your neighbors, your friends, uh, your family, and embrace a message of grace at this church that God can do the impossible no matter what situation we're in, and we as a church don't need to operate at a uh, judgmental uh, religious righteousness in the sense of it's just all about what, what are the rules of Christianity, uh, but it's about embracing uh, a savior who invites us to uh, ext- experience his grace and then to extend that grace. You guys have been faithful to love all people from all backgrounds, all lifestyles, and I'm thankful for that. For the next five years, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to love our neighbors with the love of Jesus Christ. We need to continue to do that. I'm so proud of you as, to, as this church. I feel like I can invite my neighbors. This is the kind of church where I want to invite my neighbors because I know that when they get here, they're going to be loved on and cared for and appreciated and accepted, not for what they do, but because of what God's doing. And that God says, just love your neighbors. The greatest commandments in all the Bible is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor. And I want to say thank you so much, North Valley, for being faithful to love your neighbors. Let's do that for another five years. Amen. The last area I want to just say thank you to is that you've been incredibly faithful to give. Uh, There is no way a church of our size uh, could acquire a nine-acre campus in the first few years of its existence without incredible, sacrificial, faithful tithing and giving and offerings. That's exactly what happened with North Valley. And in the process, let me remind you of this, in the process of acquiring a nine-acre campus, renovating a a massive project, doing two capital campaigns in the first five years of the church, we helped start 17 new churches and gave over $44,000 away. Can we celebrate that? that? That's crazy generosity. That's like unheard of. Uh, uh, ten years ago, I felt called by God to start a church, and uh, I can count back ten different friends that felt the same calling. Today, there's only two of those churches still alive. Um, church planning is really hard work. And what I just mentioned is this uh, faithfulness to serve, an all-in mentality is what, uh, what makes a church move from just a consumer church but to a contagious contributing church that really wants to make an impact in the valley. Um, God wants to meet you right where you're at this morning. And in the coming weeks, I, I couldn't think of a better message series that you could be a part of as we invite our friends and family and you guests that are here today. So glad that you're with us. Uh, you're in for an incredible next 40 days in a journey in the life of Christ. This morning... I'm gonna be talking to you about his baptism, uh, the baptism of Jesus Christ, and then our baptism. Um, you know, it's funny, when I started thinking back on uh, my baptism, the very first time I was baptized, uh, it was a, I, I did it for all the wrong reasons. There was this really cute girl named Allison Arrington, and I, I wanted to date her so bad, but she said, well, I, I'm a Christian, and I go to church, And my dad would never let me date you because you're not a Christian and you don't hardly go to church. But I was on this church retreat and I said to my buddy, Sam, that's who I named my my son after. I said, Sam, I don't know what I need to do to get Allison, but I just got to, I got to date her. She's so cute. I was in junior high. And uh, he said to me, well, you just got to get baptized, Ryan. And I said, that's it, tomorrow morning, I'm gonna go into the pastor, and I'm gonna tell him, I've changed my ways. (laughs) I've changed my ways, and I'm ready to get right with God. And so I did, and I went in there, and he said, are you lying to me? And I said, no, no, I'm not lying to you. And I said, you know, I told Sam, I said, Sam, you gotta work up a ruckus to make it look like we've really had a heart change And so he was like, oh, Pastor Mark, he's really changed. you really got to baptize him. So sure enough, I go down the next morning, I get baptized and I come up out of the water and uh, I see Allison and I come up to her and I said, well, do you think that maybe we could have lunch together later today? And she said, it's not real, whatever. So I told Sam, I said, it was worthless. I got baptized for nothing. Uh, when it comes to Christianity and to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to know that you need to be comfortable in your own skin, wherever you're at in your faith journey with God. This is a grace church. This is a church that doesn't want to play church. We are the church. God loves you tremendously, and your past is, is something that God wants to take all the tragedy and the struggle and the trials that you've been through and somehow in His sweet, sovereign design He's using that for not only your present experience but your future experience and your joy. So I, I want to encourage you as we look at the subject of baptism this morning we can come at it with a fresh new perspective. Some of you, maybe you got baptized for the wrong reasons. Uh, maybe Uh, you were baptized as a child, and it was really your mom and dad's, and you don't need to feel uh, uh, wrong about that, but we're going to look this morning about Jesus's baptism and then our baptism. Check out this video. than me. Who will baptize with fire? I have just a voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the... I need you to baptize me. John, what you are doing is right. At the very beginning of Jesus' baptism, there's a bit of a hesitation in the the life of Christ to baptize him. Uh, John the Baptist was the guy who had been preaching a message about uh, Jesus Christ being the Messiah. So there'd been a lot of rumors. The entire region was kind of beginning to buzz about this person named Jesus Christ. And literally, the Bible says is that people were coming from an, an entire area. It'd be like, If somebody is is preaching down in central Phoenix, people from Anthem would begin to walk and it would take several days to get down there and people from Sun City, even Sun City, they'd be walking. (laughs) Uh, They might be going slow, but they're coming. Uh, But you know, people would be coming from all around uh, to hear about about John the Baptist and to hear about uh, this Messiah. The hesitation at Jesus' baptism, it says in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John uh, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? He says. He didn't understand at first. Because... John was doing a baptism for uh, repentance. He was calling people not to just change their ways, but to change their mind on how they thought about the Messiah. They missed the Messiah by and large. A lot of religious people were coming to John, and John was telling them, you've got to change your view on how you think the Messiah is going to play out. Jesus was uh, promised and predicted uh, Hundreds of years before he ever shows up on the scene, the life, his birth, as we talked about last week, uh, his life, and this is the very first time the silence is broken. Uh, the last time in the Gospels that we see the life of Christ is when he was 12 years old. So literally, there's a period of about 18 years of silence, and then all of a sudden, uh, Jesus appears, and he's going to get baptized, That's the very first event that's going to happen in his life. So the question comes is, why was John hesitant? He was hesitant because he knew that the Messiah was sinless, meaning he didn't have any sin. So why in the world would he get baptized uh, for repentance, returning from sin? And he was hesitant. And look at Jesus is going to identify with John. The identification in Jesus' baptism is this, but Jesus answered him and said, let it be so now. Now, when Jesus speaks up, you better listen. He says, let it be so now. He didn't give a suggestion to John. He said, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us, us, John, you. He was a forerunner. He was a prophet in his day. He said for us to fulfill all righteousness and then he consented. Jesus was identifying with John's message. See, Jesus was uh, affirming that that John's message was right. He was telling, John was telling people, you gotta change your views on how you see Jesus. You gotta change your views on how you understand uh, the Messiah to be worked out. And so Jesus affirms that and says this is exactly what God has promised and predicted. There would be a forerunner paving the way, opening up people's minds and hearts to think about receiving Jesus Christ. And so Jesus isn't getting baptized for repentance of sin. He's getting baptized to identify with John's message. He's getting baptized to identify with God's divine plan that God would send a Messiah and that he would identify with the people of Israel and they would need to change their minds. Next we see there's an affirmation at Jesus' baptism. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. In the very beginning, we see this supernatural breakthrough from heaven declaring that this is a, a, an incredible affirmation, an inauguration of Jesus' uh, beginning of public life in ministry. And Jesus was baptized. Immediately, he comes up out of the water. Behold, the heavens were opened up to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. That dove would have been a symbol of peace, a symbol of Jesus' purity, his perfection. He is sinless. And it says, and it resting to come to rest on him. There's an affirmation right there from God the Father on his son. I think it's important to understand the heart of our heavenly father. God right here in this picture affirms his son. God loves his son. Some of you find God hard to uh, understand as a heavenly father, maybe because you didn't have such a great father. Um, And here we see a bit of the father's heart that he's going to show up and he's going to show off a little bit to say, this is my son. We see in verse 17, it says, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus had uh, lived a perfect life and the father now affirms him in this time and says, this is my son. I can recall going back to Little Rock over the years to see my dad, and today I'm happy to say my dad is proud of me. Um, Growing up with all the rebellion and the ruckus that I uh, drug my family through, they weren't so proud of me. But today when I go back, I have a father who's affirmed me, a father who's proud of me. But the reality is for so many of us, we don't feel that because of our, our family situation. But guess what? We can be that, man. We can be the affirming Father. And here at the very scene of Jesus' baptism, we see not only the Son, Jesus Christ, we see the Father affirming His Son. We see a perfect picture of what it looks like to live in community. We see the, 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 the Holy Spirit symbolized in the, in the dove. The entire trinity is at work in this moment. The very beginning of Jesus' public life, he inaugurates it with a baptism. It's identification with John's message to fulfill, the Bible says, all righteousness. It's doing doing it God's way. And this morning, I want to encourage you as you look at the pages of scripture and you see see a heavenly father that affirms his son. You see a father who's well-pleased with his son. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to not only look at the life of Jesus in His baptism, but I want to talk about your baptism, my baptism. So in this kind of remaining time together, my my thought was, is I'm going to walk you through some common questions and answers that I've heard over the years about uh, baptism. So first question is this, is what is it? What is baptism? Baptism is a public proclamation of one's faith in Jesus Christ. It's publicly identifying yourself, much like what Jesus was doing. He was publicly identifying himself uh, with God's plan and purpose with John the Baptist. In Acts 2.41, we see that the early church did this very often in a very public context. In fact, what would happen in the early church is that people, once they became Christians, they would get baptized in the temple place and there would be these beautiful fountains there and they would be baptized in a very public setting. It says in Acts 2.41, so those who received his word, anybody who believed in God's word, the preaching and the teaching were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000. We do at North Valley, we do baptism Sundays, meaning we do larger baptisms than maybe you were a part of in the past with another church. Maybe some of you have been a part of other churches where they do larger uh, gatherings and baptisms. Baptism is a public event. When we do baptisms at North Valley, we always tell people, like, you ought to invite your family and your friends. You ought to invite, you ought to treat it like it's a celebration that you're going public with your faith. It's the initial public offering in a sense. You're going public. You want people to know that, hey, your life is being offered up to God. You're going to follow him the rest of your life. Baptism is not where you, you, when you get, uh, go underwater, you're washing away all the old sins, like, uh, although it does can symbolize that. But when we do baptisms, we'll do it next week right here and right here, and we'll do them right in the services. Um, you need to know we're not washing away sins because some of you, we'd have to hold you down there for a long time. You know, that's not enough. Give them another, boom. I mean, man, uh, if that was true, you know, I mean, I, I did get rebaptized just so you know. Uh, because uh, once I really became a Christian and quit playing church, and trying to play the girls in the church, I, uh, I, I decided, you know what, that wasn't legit. Like, I was just doing that to try to get Allison. And it was funny, a few years ago, we were in Little Rock, and we were at a, a soccer game, and uh, my wife and I were on the soccer field, and, and uh, I look over, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Allison Arrington. <laughs> And I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, baby, did I ever tell you that story? Did I ever tell you that story when uh, I got baptized (laughs) to try to get a junior high girl to like me? And she said, oh, is this her? Is this her? I was like, yeah, yeah, that's her. And uh, I was like, let's not talk about it, okay? Just leave it alone. So we left it alone that day. But man, uh, hopefully Allison doesn't hear this message, you know. (laughs) What is it? It's a public proclamation of one's faith in Jesus Christ. Um, You know, my baptism later, I got baptized when I was uh, 18, 19 years old because it was a real genuine faith belief in Jesus Christ. And it was so sweet. I got baptized in my church, my home church, the church like I I raised Cain in, like I was a troublemaker, bad kid in that church. uh, When I did go, and I went that day and I got baptized and I saw all my teachers, I saw the community, I saw the police people that I had been running from. I saw everybody there. And uh, the youth pastor, after he baptized me, he says, this time it's legit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it was a public opportunity though. And there's no going back. You know, um, some of you... Um, You still question, man, well, uh, I'm afraid to go public with my faith. Um, Jesus does not want to enlist fearful followers, but faith-filled followers. Faith-filled, courageous, and brave, and not afraid to uh, let their faith not just simply stay at church. Like, we believe at North Valley that faith permeates everything you do all of life. Like your work. Like your business dealings like your marriage, like your education, like if this is the good book and it has something to say about all of life, then it should be true for all of life. And our faith is not a private practice. It's a public thing. And I'm not saying you need to get you a cardboard sign and stand on the road and just try to get your attention that way. I don't think you'll get a whole lot of attention that way. Not, not a long-lasting attention. You get attention... When you live culturally, radically different, instead of greed, you find generosity. Instead of hate, you find love. Instead of bitterness, you live with forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? And so public is a big deal for Christianity when it comes to baptism. Paul said this in Romans 6.3. He wrote to the church in Rome. He says, do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. When you get baptized and you're going underwater, you know, that's like a symbolizing that you, the old is gone, like the old gone. Because what you need in Christianity is you need new power. You need new life. You need new faith. You don't want to try to do life all by yourself. The, The answer is not Sedona, it's all in here in yourself. It's it's out there. The power, the righteousness that we need is alien righteousness. It doesn't come from within. It comes from out there. And that out there is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so we need something beyond ourselves. So what we need to do in baptism is understand the old me has got to die and I'm going to get raised again and there's going to be a new me. But it's not a new me. Oh, I reinvented myself shopped big time at Barnes and Noble in the self-help section. Well a lot of good principles in there, a lot of good truth. That's not the power that we're talking about. The power that we're talking about is the power that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what you need. That's what I need. I, I don't many of you say to me, man, my marriage is lame. I need a I need a new marriage. I say no you don't need a new marriage. You need a, you don't need a new spouse. You need a new marriage with a new power, and it's the same marriage you got. You need a, you need this power from outside, and so how do you do that? You you in baptism, you're saying the old me. I want to die. Jesus said, "Come, follow me, and pick up your cross." What he's saying in that is saying there's there's a there's got to be an acknowledgement that your ways are not better than his ways that there is a dying to self and a living to him. Verse six, four says, Paul says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too, let's say that together, we too might walk in the newness of life. As a Christian, you're invited to walk into new life, not old life some of you, your old life and your old patterns and your old friends, those got to change. And you say to me, well, how do I change those? Well, it's not the power within you. It's the power within God. And you rely on that and you walk in new life. See what happens so many times is, and man, well, I was tempted in this next week. We're talking about temptation. You don't want to miss that his temptation, my temptation. That's what we're going to be talking about. But the the challenge is, is to revert and live back in the old life and not the new life. So how do you do that? It's never perfect. You'll never do it completely right. You do it by relying on God's grace all the way through. When you blow it and you fall down, you just get back up and you got godly brothers and sisters hanging out with you and saying, God's grace is more powerful, more strong, more wonderful, more great. You just keep walking. And you keep going into the new life. But how do you do that? You listen to God's word. You hear it through preaching and teaching. You apply it into your life. That's walking in the new life. The joy of Christianity is that God says his Holy Spirit lives within you. So he literally like rewires your desires to do, uh, to live and to love him. So the question comes is who should be baptized? Uh, a position statement that we've taken at North Valley is only those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ as Lord should be baptized. Um, it's, this is what Jesus did. He actually commanded it. It's anybody who follows him should be baptized. This is what it says in Galatians. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, for in Christ Jesus, you all sons, you are all sons of God through faith. For many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. It's like the wedding ring that I wear on my finger right here and I can't pull it off this morning. Uh, it, it's a sign and a symbol. There's no, this doesn't make my marriage stick together, but it is the symbol of my, my marriage. It's a symbol of my commitment to my wife. So when I go to the gym and I take this thing off, and I go work out uh, for just a little bit. I'm a little uncomfortable because I don't, you know, it's not like I think a bunch of girls are going to hit on me or anything, but I, I, I sit there and I don't have that ring on. But then when I go out into the public, I think this is my symbol. This is what tells people I'm married in baptism. It's the same way. Anybody who's a Christian ought to be baptized why should you be baptized? Jesus Christ commanded that his followers be baptized. He didn't suggest it. He didn't say it's optional. He said, no, I want all of you who believe in, G- and believe in me to be baptized. In fact, he instructed his disciples to go change the world by doing a few things, teaching, preaching, and then baptizing people. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded this. He commanded that, uh, you know, that, that guy that we remember in the, in the scene of Jesus, after he's crucified, he's buried and he raises again, he appears over a period of 40 days. 40 days. He appears for 40 days and he instructs Thomas, Doubting Thomas. Remember the guy who says, Jesus, I don't know if it's really you. If it's really you, stick out your hands and let me see the nail marks that were in your hands at the cross. Jesus does that. Jesus appears, uh, the Bible says, uh, to crowds, even up to 500 people. And Thomas is the guy who gets transformed by the power of this reality that Jesus really is the Son of God, goes off and is a missionary to India. He was the first missionary to leave and to go out into India. And today there's millions of Christians. There's churches. If you go to India, you would see uh, St. Thomas everywhere. He's the hero of the Christian faith. Thomas goes with this simple command that Jesus said to all of his followers go therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what he's commanded us to do as a church. You don't have a good church if you don't have people that are being baptized often. You need people to, you need to see that, that as we, next week, we're gonna uh, do some baptisms. And I wanna encourage you to be a part of that special service. But baptizing is a public opportunity for people to hear and see uh, people's lives that are placing their faith in Jesus Christ. The early church baptized every single new believer. Philip was an evangelist in the early church and uh, the, 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 God, the Acts uh, writer records this. He says, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Baptist, baptism is for every new believer. Jesus commanded it. The early church practiced it, that every church, every Christian ought to be baptized. Question comes is then when should you be baptized? Some, many of you have already been baptized, but we want to encourage you to think about this is when you should be baptized, it's a public profession of faith. It's your faith. It's not your mom's faith. It's not your dad's faith uh, y- 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 since baptism is a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, it should be performed soon after one understands the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, we've had kids in our church that are five years old, six years old, be baptized. And, uh, why? Because the Bible doesn't put an age limit on knowledge and understanding the gospel message. Uh, many of you moms, you would testify, no, my daughter, my son, Um, acknowledged and understood the good news about Jesus, Him being the Lord, understanding their need for uh, forgiveness at a very, very young age. And really that decision is ultimately between parents. We have many uh, families that will baptize their children at a young age, five, six, seven, eight. Um, You know, and, and we talk with the parents and the parents say, they're ready. They're ready to go. They've been waiting to go for so long. Um, just, uh, this, uh, early fall, my little girl, Maya, she's five years old. And, uh, generally what we like to do on Saturdays is to take it slow. And we sat out on the front porch and we have these rocking chairs on the front porch and we got them at Cracker Barrel down the road. And, uh, and when we first moved in, my wife's like, somebody's going to steal those rocking chairs. I was like, if they steal the rocking chairs, by golly, they are desperate and they need them. And, uh, so we kept him there, but on Saturdays we get together as a family from time to time and, uh, we'll have a big meal together Saturday morning. And, uh, this early fall, um, we got together with little Maya and, uh, Maya had, had done something that had really offended and hurt her brother's feelings the night before she wakes up and she starts confessing. She's like, I'm so sorry, dad, mom. I feel overwhelmed with my, my sin. And I'm like, you are a little church girl. <laughs> she's five years old talking about sin and overwhelmed with her sin. I'm like, man, that's sweet. But then she's heartfelt, like it's a real deal. It's not like a joke. And she's like, and I wanna, I want, I wanna know that I'm a Christian. How do I know? And we're having this five-year-old conversation. And so we walked through the gospel message and right there she prays to receive Christ and it was so sweet. And, and, you know, my wife's like, Ryan, I don't lead people to Christ like you do, but I couldn't be any happier to see my daughter place her faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so kids can do this. You know, um, it it really is after one understands the good news of Jesus Christ. In the early church, it was oftentimes associated with when people hear and understand the word of God, they understand Jesus, um, they they're baptized. Look what it says in Acts 16. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Um, this account happens where, uh, these folks are, they hear the message of the gospel. And in one night, the very same night they're baptized. So you have to ask the question, like some of you say, well, I don't want to baptize my kiddo at five years old because I don't want them to do it for the wrong reasons. I understand that. I get it. Especially if you, if you got a kid like me that's just wanting to get baptized for Allison. Like you, you, you got to sort through those motives, you know? Um, I've heard people say before too. Uh, well, I don't want to get bab- i don't want to baptize my child, even though they're—they really want to be baptized, because I want to see if they can make it through the teenage years. And if they make it through the teenage years, then it, their faith is real. Then we'll baptize them. Okay, but if you do that, then why not apply the same logic after you get through your teenage years and say, well, I—I I, now I think it's probably a good idea to inform my son or my daughter. Uh, about the idea of maybe just hanging through it through until they work through their midlife crisis. You know, so now 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 you're delaying it again. My encouragement to you is if there's a simple profession in Jesus Christ, just let's walk forward in baptism. Go public with your faith. You know, that is so important as a a young girl, young boy, a young man a young woman, an older man or an older woman, when you understand the good news of Jesus Christ, it's time to go public. God doesn't invite you to live in the shadows of the church, but in the light of the church. He invites you to leave from fear into a faith-filled life. And baptism is that. It's a very public experience and event. In fact, when we do baptism, we love to take pictures. We have uh, photos next week. We're going to have a lot of. We're going to have photographers that are here in our church that dedicate their ministry and time and talent to serve our uh, you as a family. We take pictures of that. We give you a DVD of that, and we want you to celebrate that. And then, what we find out what happens is people that get baptized in that kind of manner they begin to share their pictures and their stories with their friends. They invited their friends to come and see that baptism and it's a powerful event. And then more people end up saying, man, this life is contagious. I want this kind of life. Jesus had a a good idea, I think, when he said, go therefore and make disciples. This is how you're gonna do it. By teaching them what I've commanded you and then baptizing them. So some of you, you may have... uh, Maybe you got baptized when you were a infant. we got a lot of uh, Catholic uh, folks in our church. Um, uh, My grandmother was a devout Catholic. I honestly would say if it wasn't for my grandmother's faith, I had another grandma on the other side of the family that was Mormon. And then my mom and dad, they're trying to figure it out in the middle. They get saved in the Jesus movement, the, the hippie movement, and like the hippie movement with Jesus. That's where they got saved in that time frame. And so we had different kind of worldviews from my parents growing up, but my grandmother, as a devout Catholic, she loved Jesus Christ. She loved his word and she instilled these truths into my mom. And, uh, I'm thankful for that. Some of you were baptized as an infant. You don't need to be ashamed of that. You don't need to, uh, you, it's, you know, the, the importance now, I would say, is that you ask a simple question, was that a decision of my will or was that my parents' will? And when you look at the New Testament scriptures, you see people, they are baptized once they believe and they understand. My encouragement to you is to be baptized and to go public with your faith in a public manner. And it's important to understand that baptism is something that you don't want to wait on. You need to just step forward. In Acts 22:16, 16, it says, And now why do you wait? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on his name. Now, what he doesn't mean there is that you're washing away your sins literally when, when you we're dunking people underwater. That is the verse where people get that idea. It's that idea. But what's happening is when you are being baptized, it is a symbolic gesture that the old is gone and the new is rising again. That you're walking away from an old life by the power and the grace of God in your life. And that, that Jesus Christ has effectually washed away your sins. Like he, is, he forgives you. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, the beauty of that is, is that he takes your past sins and he forgives them. And then he takes your present sins and he begins to forgive those and your future sins and you walk in a state of forgiveness. You don't walk into a state of religious activity to somehow atone for your sins. You don't climb a holy ladder to get acceptance with God. Jesus did that. You don't have to atone for your sins by uh, trying to do all these righteous deeds. Jesus has already done that. He lived a perfect life you could never live. So, understanding the gospel message is essential. Here are the ABCs of the gospel. Some of you are here today, and if you were you are unsure as to your eternal destiny, you don't know if you were to die today, uh, go out on I-17 and get into a wreck or something, and you would no longer live. You're not sure about your salvation, your eternal security. Here's the simplicity of the gospel message: A, you acknowledge your sin. Sin is anything that is contrary to God. It's thinking about your ways better than God's ways. It's missing the mark in life and what God plans and purposes. It's realizing that something is broken within, but you can find healing and help from the helper. Acknowledging your sin means that you don't have all the answers. Acknowledging your sin means that you actually need a savior. You can't have a savior if you don't acknowledge your sin. You see what I'm saying? Why why would you need a savior if you can't acknowledge your sin? Acknowledging, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning in the glory of what God wants to do, he has a glorious story for your life. Acknowledging your sin acknowledges when you react and your anger, God wants to give you peace. When you react with bitterness, he wants you to operate with forgiveness. When you operate with hate, he wants you to operate with love. When you operate with uh, trying to have somebody prove something and do something and atone for their past, God wants you to operate with grace. Acknowledging your sin is essential, not just as a first time placing your faith in Jesus Christ, but an ongoing process of going, man, God, without you, I'm going to blow it. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. B, you believe in Jesus. You believe Jesus died to forgive sins. The simplicity of the gospel is acknowledging that you're in need, acknowledging your, you sin, and in believing that Jesus died for, to forgive sin, accepting him for what he did on the cross, accepting that he's the son of God and he alone can forgive sins. That's what got Jesus in trouble, was saying that he could forgive sins. Uh, in a few weeks, I'm gonna teach a message on his forgiveness and then your forgiveness oh man, it's going to be a powerful message because we need forgiveness. And we won't extend forgiveness very well as a people unless we experience that forgiveness. Believing Jesus died to forgive your sins. And then lastly, just confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. That means, Bible says, if if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And so for us as a church, it's not our job to try to scan the spiritual retina on people's eyes to figure out if they're really saved. If they, if they say they believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth, the Bible says they'll be saved. That's the simplicity of the gospel message. Question comes is how should I be baptized? The word baptism literally refers to immersion in water and therefore we practice baptism by immersion. Um, Throughout church history, they did sprinkling, uh, and they would sprinkle a child. I don't think it's the best method. I understand why we did that in church history, partially because the water was bad, so you don't want to dip somebody in some bad water. Uh, But immersion is the method Jesus did. It's the method that the early church did. Uh, It's the method, and it's the literal meaning of the word. To baptize means... Uh, to dip or to immerse. Even Jesus that we read this morning, then Jesus in Matthew 3.13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Jesus Christ was baptized in the Jordan River. He was baptized in a very public place, fully immersed in that water and and rose up. And the heavenly father affirmed it. A voice came down from heaven and affirmed that. So we teach at North Valley is, how should people be baptized? They should be baptized by immersion. That closely associates and shows the exact same way that our Lord Jesus was baptized. Question comes is, who should be baptized? Uh, Jesus commanded his disciples to baptize all new believers. And it seems best that church leaders and other ministry leaders baptize new believers as modeled in scripture. These can also be parents, volunteers, or staff. Uh, Next weekend, what we're going to do is we're going to have Baptism Sunday right here. We'll open up this aisle right here. We'll have t-shirts lined out. It says, I am new. And uh, we're going to invite a lot of you already pre-registered. Some of you won't make that decision to be baptized. We've seen it before until the morning of. And uh, we get, we have people baptized in their church clothes all the time. And so next weekend we're going to baptize. And the, 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 who should be baptized is we want to, who should do the baptizing. We invite parents. If they've got a child that made a profession of faith, guess what, mom, dad, you're the ministry leader of your kiddo. You know, we can teach that word. We can help instruct and encourage, but you have the greatest influence over your kid. And dads, you're pastors of your home. And, uh, you know, we want to encourage you and empower you and help you to do that. Some of you brought a friend and your friend just came to know Christ. We want you to be a part of that process. Because when Jesus commanded, hey, go make disciples, he commanded a group of people to go do that. And we want to do that as a church. We want to help come alongside you. Church leaders will be here. Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Randy will be over there. But we're inviting parents and volunteers as well. That have had an impact. Whoever's been the closest impact in that person's life, that person's got to be by the baptismal. That person's got to be there. Because to, to be a disciple and follow Jesus means literally that you're following after God. and we don't want you to follow alone. We don't want you to be a solo lobo trying to do life by yourself. We want you to go with there's power in the pack. You got to stay together. So the question comes is, some of you say, "I'm ready. And we don't have any baptismals today, so we'll have to wait till next week. Uh, now what? I want to encourage you to explore online and take your next step by registering for next week's baptisms. We're going to do that during both services. Both services will do that. And so um, you, you can find out all the details online next weekend. We're going to have our first baptism Sunday here in this building. And we're going to have an awesome time, extended worship And we're gonna see many, uh, for the very first time, go public with their faith, amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends here at North Valley. We pray, God, today, God, might this word stir in our heart, Um, Lord, for all those that have been baptized already. I pray that they just heard the message, Lord, about the Father that affirms the Son and how much, God, that you love them and you're proud of them and you wanna see them lead in love and have an influence, and for all those others, Lord, that have not yet been baptized according to your word, I pray, God, right now, stir in their heart a great sense of faith, let them walk away in abandoned fear, and walk in a sense of newness of life, and together, we're better together, in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us, guys, you guys are dismissed. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.